we don't pass this bill now, it basically gives the schools and the libraries the, the go ahead and the okay um, if we don't take a stand now. So it's vitally important that Hoosiers engage, especially parents. Hey everybody, welcome to Fearless with Mark and Amber, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. I'm your co-host, Amber Archer, and with me as usual is my husband, Mark Archer. With breaking news on the Husband and Wife Team show. Oh no, here he goes. (laughs) I need special sound effects for my breaking news Uh, updates. It's on your budget. Moving on. (laughs) Just, Just fine. So if you are just joining us, hello and welcome. We are going to dive into breaking news that has just happened. Mm-hmm. It's exciting, but if you've missed any a part of, of what's going on, you can go back and listen to it. But joining us here shortly will be Rhonda Miller with Purple for Parents, and she's going to give us an update about repealing the obscenity exemptions here in Indiana, where we are, with um, SB 288. That's in the in the at the state house right now. So if you've missed out on this developing story, we this is part of our new documentary film called "The Mind Polluters," which exposes the sexualization of our children through our school systems, government indoctrination centers posing as public schools, and part of that research led us to researching the state by state obscenity exemptions, and little over half of the states in the U.S. have written into their state laws exemptions specifically for schools, school libraries, public libraries, university libraries Mm -hmm. that makes those institutions exempt from criminal penalties that are applicable everywhere else. Except for inside. Except for inside the the schools and the libraries. Mm -hmm. And this has everything to do with how the camel has gotten its nose in under the tent with comprehensive sexual education. This is how organizations like Planned Parenthood, for example, have managed to start feeding pornography straight into our schools all the way down to as young as pre-K. Yeah. And this material that would be illegal to be disseminated to minors anywhere else has this little exception carved out for it in Indiana and several other states called the obscenity exemption statute. Mm. And let's and let's just be clear, we are not talking about biology class. We are not talking about the regular types of sex ed. No. Appropriate sex education. That's no. not that's not what we're talking about here. We are talking about obscene matter. It's yeah. in the language of the bill. It's in the language of the exemption. It, we're talking about obscene matter. Mm-hmm. And also, if you've not followed along on this, or the last episode we had, or two episodes ago, we did a deep dive into what is obscenity. Mm-hmm. And we had our Allen County prosecutor, Karen Richards, talking about what obscenity is from a legal standpoint. And you're right. We're not talking about science class. We're not talking about biology class. Listen, you do not need to show pornographic images to students to explain biology. No. You do not. No. And so this is the excuse that you'll hear from the opposition. It is a lie. So what happened yesterday as we're recording this is that it passed in the Senate committee by a seven to six vote. Very, very tight. Mm -hmm. Um, There was one fairly major amendment made to the bill Um, that really, while it's major, it's not because 
it was it didn't really it doesn't really affect the core of the of the legislation. Right. So the amendment that was added was to basically strip out everything but the core of it. So what's left is from Section 4, Indiana Code 35-49-3-4 takes out the exemption for K-12 through schools and public libraries. And that means they would then, you know, what does this mean for K-12 through schools and public libraries? They would have to clean up the books. Mm-hmm. That are found to be obscene. It makes them liable like like everywhere else, like everybody else. Yeah. We are talking about we're talking about material that if you or I showed these things to minors, uh, we could be prosecuted and put in jail. Mm-hmm. But for the libraries or the school teachers to show these same materials to the same children, it's perfectly fine. According to state law. Right. It has protection. It has protection. So, and the argument all along has been, has been if it's illegal outside of school, it should be illegal inside of school. Mm-hmm. If anything, we should have more protections on our students in schools, but we have less. Right. Who's protecting our kids? Exactly. So without further ado, let's talk to Rhonda Miller with Purple for Parents. All right, Rhonda. So thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us here on the podcast again and to just keep everybody up to date and informed on what's going on with SB 288. Can you explain to people again what SB 288 is and what's currently happening at the state house? Yes. So SB 288 is basically repealing our state's uh, sanity exemption. We have law that were put in place decades ago that allows schools and public libraries to disseminate material harmful to minors, which is basically obscenity or porn. And so we're trying to remove that statute and put them on the the same playing field as everybody else um, outside the school. And so that has been the process. And we've just come out of committee. It was voted on yesterday. There was an amendment to it that removes these civil um, lawsuits that were put in place in that statute or in that bill. But it reflects back to the original state statute, which allows for criminal penalties. So we're very thankful that we've we've got it out of committee and um, Monday it will go to the full Senate floor and for second reading. Um, and then Tuesday will be the final third reading before it goes over to the House. Yes. And I'm going to leave a link because I found a great tool to use from the Indiana um, government website and it steps through all of the different processes that bills take before they actually get passed. And so Why is this so important that it continues moving forward? So when, um, you know, parents send their kids to school, they trust that they're going to be safe and protected. And what we're finding is there's content that is coming through different avenues that is basically pornography. We've uncovered some literature books that is being used in uh, several cases in actual curriculum. And in uh, one particular case was actually being read in class. Um, And it's very graphic, very vulgar obscenity and pornography. It's Mm -hmm. so bad that when we went and testified last Wednesday um, to the Senate Education Committee, we were told more than once that we could not read the contents of that material um, during committee hearing because it would the the committees are videotaped and live recorded or live live fed into various entities and it could end up in a classroom which we kind of actually chuckled and said well you're you're proving our point for us because if we can't read it in front of the senate education committee which is where the laws are made then why are we allowing it into the classroom in the mm-hmm. public libraries which go hand in hand so 
-hmm. that is in a nutshell what um, we're dealing with this the content that we're finding is is very um, dark it's explicit stories of rape violent rape violent masturbation um, and, and, and it's very, um, it's causing a lot of mental issues for children when they read that stuff and it's getting them hooked on porn. Porn is a huge monetary system that, um, we're finding is, you know, gaining as- access to our children and we want to safeguard them from that. So that is what we're attempting to accomplish. And what, what ages are you finding this material at? Some of it, it goes on to elementary school. Um, and if you're if your child is an advanced reader, they can access the hardcore porn um, in some cases in second grade. I mean, these books are are dumbed down that they can be read at that kind of a level um, and it can it can um, you know seriously create problems for a child at that age to read that kind of content mm-hmm. you know and and it hooks them on uh, pornography, which is the end game. So where can people find? Um, more information, where can people contact you? Because we've had a few comments and questions come our way. And I just like to redirect people to get involved with Purple for Parents. You guys are boots on the ground and have a network already created where people can go to get involved. So where can people best reach you? Currently, we have a private group on Facebook that is very, very active. We've got many, many people that have jumped in and and they are, they are activated and making calls and things for us. We also have a public page where we're posting um, some, some of the things. We will not post the extreme content on the public page. We have been sharing um, excerpts in the private um, group only. Um, but we do have those two entities we're using. We're also on Telegram. We are also on, um, I think we're on Instagram. And so we have some different social media avenues. We are currently working on our website so that we can start putting uh, material up on there. But those are basically the, the main entities to get a hold of us. How can people get involved? Is there anything that anybody what just we as everyday citizens can be doing right now to help this continue to move forward? Or is it sort of is it sort of stuck right now where it is and has to just go through its process with the senators? Um, no, we act, we absolutely need as many people as we can get to start calling their state senators. We need mm-hmm. we need the pressure applied to them. We need them emailed. We need them called. Um, text if you have your your personal contact with your senator. Um, we need them activated. As many people as Hoosiers across the state calling and texting and and emailing. And letting them know we we must pass this bill in order to protect our children. Otherwise, we just open the doors for this to continue and possibly get even worse. If we don't pass this bill now, it basically gives the schools and the libraries the, the go ahead and the OK um, if we don't take a stand now. So it's vitally important that Hoosiers engage, um, especially parents. Um, we're finding many of them, you know, obviously had no idea this stuff was coming into the schools. And once they're, they're finding out they're enraged and Mm -hmm. they're, they're doing their own research then and and uncovering more things for us. So Mm -hmm. it's been, it's been all hands on deck and that's what we need. Yeah. So, and already the opposition to this bill, what, what are some of their key points to opposing removing the obscenity exemptions because right now as the law stands there's a defense for the perpetrators but if it were outside of the school it's completely illegal and someone can go to jail so what what's the argument right now from the opposition so we're hearing a range of things which um some of it doesn't surprise us right some and some of it can get uh i'll be honest quite comical because it's so they're so desperate to defend that position but um some of it was 
you know, mentioned that they were worried about biology class. And so we're like, you wouldn't be giving kids porn in biology class. I mean, that's, right. that's a, that's a far reaching argument. Um, one of, one of the concerns was the, the criminal penalty that's involved. Well, why would you make an exception for schools and libraries when, you know, a normal average citizen would have a severe penalty applied to them for that? So that was, that was one of the issues. Some of it, it's just, it, there's concerns about, you know, what people, parents just need to be engaged in what their kids are learning. But here's the thing is, as Jennifer has pointed out too, that a lot of times the parents have no idea what their kids are reading, because if they're reading in the, in the accelerated reader program, or, or there's another program, I think the, the schools are using, and the kids are reading those books at school, they never bring them home. So the parents have no idea this content is, is what their kid is being exposed to. So, you know, that that's been a, a, a raised a concern too. And, and, Senator Cruz removed um, part of the issue that we ran across last week when we were testifying was the civil lawsuits. They were afraid that there was going to be a flood of lawsuits against the schools. And, you know, there has to be a level of intentionality uh, proven. So the, the the bar is high in order to prove it. Um, we know of cases where, you know, without a doubt, the, the teachers have known and have continued to um, disseminate this material to to minors. Um, so there is a situation that we're dealing with. But by removing that, the civil cases, we're hoping that that will address some of the concerns that that people are having. However, what's frustrating is they have those concerns, but I ha- we haven't heard once um, anybody raise the concern of what this is doing to children long term, and that's deeply, deeply disturbing. This whole process has been um, very eye opening. Um, we're we're finding out who is willing to stand with us and who is willing to actually say, you know what, protecting the perpetrators is more important than than protecting the victims. And so that has been something I didn't necessarily expect to to find and to see. Um, And this should be a hands down, no brainer. I mean, absolutely. you You wouldn't give your kids, you know, pornographic content out of a Playboy magazine or whatever most normal people wouldn't anyway. Mm -hmm. So why are we allowing our taxpayer funded institutions to do it without any, without any penalties? Mm -hmm. So, and the more we dig into it, the more books we're finding, um, which is very scary to think that, you know, there's, there's actually authors who are writing porn um, and then being published through distrib- through publishing companies and being distributed to to minors, and so that's that's a facet of the of the picture that we we're going to have to address at some point. But the fact that we've got so many people who are willing to allow this to occur without any understanding as to what this does to the mind of a child is is um, definitely disturbing. Rhonda, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and keeping us up to date with what's going on with um, Indiana SB 288. And we look forward to hearing from you again. And I'll make sure to leave all of your contact information in the show notes for people so that they know how to get a hold of you and how they can to get involved. Thank you. And I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll stay in contact. So what can you do right now. If you are in Indiana, here's what you need to do. You need to call, write your senator, call and write your state representative, because if this passes in the Indiana Senate, it will then flip to the House and we will go through this process again. We're not sure yet which committee it will go to, but if you are here in Indiana, you need to speak up and make your voice heard. If you have already, then do it again. Send them another reminder. Tell them thank you for supporting it. Or if they didn't support it, give them what for about it and tell them (laughs) when it comes up for the vote, you need to support it. And here's why. Mm -hmm. Put in a phone call. Tell them. There were senators that were in favor of this that flipped and voted against it. 
they can be flipped back and they need to be called. So make sure that you do that. If you are not in Indiana, please pray. Mm -hmm. Pray for the Lord's hand to be on this and that Indiana will be able to lead the way in showing the nation how to repeal these ridiculous obscenity exemptions and take the lead in protecting our children. Thank you for joining us on this special edition, and we will join you again on Tuesday with more from Alex Newman. Alex Newman.